With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Welcome to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. I am Jason Bryant, episode 361. This show brings you news, reviews, previews, and interviews from all things related to the world of wrestling. As the wonderful world of Twitter and wrestling turns, a story popped up in our news feed on the Matt Talk Online Daily Wrestling Newsletter, and I first saw it on MLive.com, and upon doing some research, our friends at the American Civil Liberties Union, yes, the ACLU, has filed a letter towards the National Collegiate Wrestling Association. This is the NCWA, and we're going to be playing a lot of alphabet soup today, so just keep keep notes, take notes if you have to. The NCWA about their alleged discrimination against an athlete from the University of Michigan Dearborn's club wrestling team, uh, a woman that wants to compete with the men, whereas the NCWA has men's and women's divisions, and uh, we'll talk about the things that are problematic with that as well as the current landscape of college wrestling on the program today. We're going to be joined by Catherine Shy. You may know her as Catherine Fulp Allen. She is a board member for Wrestle Like a Girl, a nonprofit grassroots organization that has really led the charge in pushing to get women's wrestling to be an emerging sport within the NCAA. Also joining us is Shelby Morrison, a three-time All-American at Oklahoma City University. Uh, she wrestled in Texas, where it was girls' high school wrestling throughout. And Julia Salata, a four-time All-American, two-time national champion, at King University, currently serving as an assistant coach there as well. And actually, I forgot to give Catherine's accolades. She was a, a four-time WCWA All-American and a two-time champ. So first, Catherine, we're going to start with you. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, you know, we've been wanting to have a lot more Russell Like a Girl stuff here on the program. And unfortunately, you get roped into this one uh, to talk about something that doesn't involve your group. But Russell Like a Girl, again, a nonprofit organization as a, as a talked about in the open, aimed at getting girls wrestling sanctioned in the high school level and at the collegiate level. And I, I just want to know what your first reaction was when you started to see this video and and the, and the tweets from the ACLU pop up around social media. You know, I think um, the first reaction is, is always about our efforts and the positive effect we've had on pushing to have female versus female competition. So, you know, your, your first reaction is always, um, you know, thinking about the opportunities that we've 
been able to really grow and how positive that's been. Um, so it's, it's hard not to think about, um, you know, which, which direction should this go? I don't think this is black and white. Um, and I, and I definitely agree that nobody should be denied opportunity. Um, but it is hard because we've, we've had so much growth within women's college wrestling and it gets much, much more difficult to navigate a landscape where you're having adult women wrestle adult men. Um, and, and we've seen from our history, we know that we've pushed in the early stages of college women's wrestling to wrestle just against our same gender. Um, and so it's, it's not, I don't think this is going to, this is easy to navigate. And you and your older sister, Sarah, um, your father, Lee, the late Lee Allen, uh, who of course, uh, by the way, congratulations, is going to be part of the national wrestling hall of fame, uh, induction distinguished membered class. So, uh, you know, we, we lost your father, uh, you know, a little bit ago and, you know, basically he was a wrestling coach, been an Olympian and he got you and Sarah into wrestling. And how much of that, those early years were wrestling against the boys with no women to wrestle other than, uh, each other. Um, well, first, thank you so much. We're, we're so thrilled to have him a part of that and, um, to celebrate next June. We're really, we're really thrilled. Um, you know, we were very fortunate that in California, we had a lot of people pushing to have female against female competition. Um, my sister wrestled the varsity boys and there was a lot of pressure to do so, but there was in the end, a lot of, why did we go that direction? Because it wasn't what helped the sport. Um, and so when it came to my, my, uh, call or excuse me, my high school, um, career, we decided as a family, the most important thing would be to wrestle against females only and to not go the route of trying to wrestle against the boys. So that's not what we were pushing and promoting. And it's, you know, we've seen over and over, and we're seeing that now on the high school level. Um, and obviously the college route, which has kind of been, you know, been what we've been doing female against female college, but we've seen across the nation, as soon as these girls decide to wrestle against their own gender, the sport really expands and the opportunities really come. So that means is the opportunity there when you push to wrestle on the boys team or the men's team, or does the opportunity come when we say things need to change and we need to find ways to, um, to increase the teams, to find a better way for people to compete against each other. If, if, you know, distance is a diff is the problem. Um, maybe there's other ways to navigate this. Shelby, since you're the uh, youngest member on the crew and the most recent one of uh, the group to attend high school in Texas, Girls wrestle girls, boys wrestle boys. How did this affect you getting into wrestling and, and ultimately staying out of the sport of wrestling? Uh, I began wrestling boys and, and wrestling boys up until high school. I didn't know anything different, just like every other girl. Um, but And it was really odd for me to begin wrestling only girls. Um, and I would say a lot. You know, I was kind of coming from the, the same perspective as Catherine was saying. Uh, you know, I always wrestled boys, so it was weird wrestling girls. I always felt like I should be wrestling the boys and, you know, uh, and staying, you know, competing against them. And it, it was always odd for me to compete against girls. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, a lot of things have changed. And, and it, it it helped me to be able to see that there is a growth, to see that other girls are wrestling and, maybe not so much in the state at the time, but going to national tournaments, get to see um, so much talent throughout the U.S. of 
different high school girls that are coming in to compete against you, um, both whenever USGWA was in Michigan and we were having our national tournaments there um, and in Oklahoma City where the, the girls' folk style nationals is now. So, As far as getting kids out for the team, and this is something that coaches struggle with on, on both the boys' and girls' side at that age group, is bringing somebody out for the team and, and keeping them interested in, in seeing some level of success. I know uh, when I started wrestling, for example, we were a powerhouse team. We were nationally ranked. So uh, as a first-year kid, the opportunities to see the mat time were, were limited, and uh, the fact that I got the crap beat out of me all the time uh, you know, usually is a deterrent for a lot of people. I'm, I'm wondering what was it like for first-year girls coming into a girls-only wrestling team was it easier, do you think, to sell your friends who had never wrestled before to come out for the sport of wrestling because you're only going to be wrestling girls? I would say so. Um, I know even my little sister, I tried to get her to wrestle. And she's doing a great job you know, with our club team until she had to wrestle a boy and she freaked out. Um, so I would say you know, some girls grow up that way and it's just the way it is, wrestling boys. And um, high school level, it is a little bit awkward. You know, you, you take into account everyone's going through puberty, and it's a little weird to wrestle boys whenever you're starting off in high school. And, and you know, it can be intimidating that you have to wrestle boys, you know. And and so I would say yes. I think that um, it's huge, you know, for the sanctioned state for newcomers. And you see, you're seeing a lot of women who have a lot of success at the collegiate um, and senior levels that didn't get started until eighth, ninth grade. Um, and so a lot of these girls, you know, are starting out. You look at Tamira Mensa, um, she's from the great state of Texas, as am I. And, you know, she's having so much success at the senior level. And, and I don't believe she got started until eighth grade high school. Um, and, and so I think it's huge, you know, um, for those girls that are wanting to start at about that time to be able to, get them to do it by saying, hey, you know, you're going to be wrestling other girls just like you would be playing softball against other girls and soccer against other girls, just like any other sport. And so helping them to understand, hey, we're not wrestling boys, we're wrestling girls in high school. I think that that's what you would see a lot of growth in those states because they're sanctioned states and girls feel less intimidated wrestling other girls. Julia, switching gears to you to kind of piggyback on the growth of wrestling in Texas as an active assistant college coach, Texas is where all the, the WCWA and let's, let's play alphabet soup here for a second. Women's collegiate wrestling association. This is the WCWA, which the current number of wrestling programs is approximately 37. I believe there's teams that are starting next year that count within that number, like uh, central Christian, for example, but those you coaches are going down to Texas because they've had an established girls wrestling high school division for a number of years. And what does that mean for you as a coach and you as a senior level athlete to, to sit there and be like, this is, this is how it's done. This is why Texas is succeeding. This is why the Tamir Menses, as Shelby just mentioned, are having such success. Oh, Texas just had such a strong system put in place. Uh, I remember going to Fargo the first time back in 2008 and a lot of states are represented, but you would see teams that had, you know, a big team was considered having eight or nine girls. And then you'd see Texas and California with these teams of 50, 60 girls. And that was kind of my first impression of women's only wrestling. You know, I said this, I was clueless at the time. I was completely ignorant. And I said, why does Texas have such a big team? Like, of all the states, Texas, you know, Texas isn't 
a known wrestling state, like a PA in Ohio and New Jersey. And someone told me, well, they have state-sanctioned women's wrestling. And that blew my mind. I was like, what? They only wrestle girls and they only train with girls. That's crazy. Like, it's awesome. Um, And it just shows how that if we put the system in place for girls to be able to compete and train with women, it'll attract girls like crazy to the sport. And it's not just getting to compete in high school. It's getting them to travel out. You know, like Shelby mentioned, like Oklahoma City for folk style nationals and Fargo and Body Bar. They have Body Bar in Texas now, and it's determined has grown exponentially since they moved it there, partially because of the location being more central, but also because Texas has such strong, you know, a woman's wrestling population there to support it. Um, it and it just shows that, you know, if we put women's wrestling in states, it's going to succeed and it's going to grow rapidly. Um, Texas has been doing it for, I, I'm not even sure. Shelby, you know how long Texas has had women's wrestling in general? Uh, I, I, I would say maybe five or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're looking at 10 plus years at this point and it, it just keeps growing and they're doing well. California, same thing. Um, Washington now, since they sanctioned women's wrestling has turned into a powerhouse. So you, you know, they've won two national dual titles now out in Fargo. Um, and as a college coach, that's exciting to see. You're looking at these hotbeds of women's wrestling when you're going to recruit. You want to go to that state tournament or you know if you go out to oklahoma and we're recruiting there at uh folk style nationals you see a texas girl on a bracket you're going to watch because you know they have that strong success um so you know i i just think that it's really awesome that they kind of set a precedent and i hope to see more states follow suit soon Catherine, because uh what julia is saying directly is impacted by what your group at wrestle like a girl is doing what is the process uh, that you've seen in your experiences to to sanction girls wrestling at the high school level and and why are states that are doing it f- having success and then as you see as they go on to the junior level in Fargo and then into the WCWA the the collegiate levels uh, you, it it seems to be synonymous of success if you're coming from a state with with girls wrestling uh, chances are you're going to be pretty good at the college level. You know what what's the repeat you know here um, is typically providing the opportunity um, of a girls-only competition, whether it's a division at, you know, a boys' tournament or then, you know, providing a high school girls' state at the end of the year and then, you know, encouraging coaches mm-hmm. to add those tournaments. That That's really kind of the theme that keeps getting repeated so that the states get closer and closer to sanctioning. But, you know, every state's going to have its kind of own recipe for what they want and what they require in order to, you know, get per inch closer to sanctioning. Um, so it's definitely different, you know, and, and you have to kind of navigate that landscape and work with everybody. And I think that's, that's the most important thing is, is working with different people, different organizations to have a positive relationship so that you move closer to having each state sanctioned. As this scenario unfolds, and uh, the way it, I understand it is, the ACLU sends this letter to the NCWA, which is based in Texas and run by a gentleman named Jim Junta, who used to run uh, the high school league in Texas, which is interesting because the ACL sued him once before to try to uh, let women wrestle. And his scenario was, no, we want boys and girls wrestling in their own leagues. He wanted to create a league just like he's done with the NCWA. So, Catherine, to your point, what do you feel is more beneficial to a female athlete? wrestling against the boys in high school, having this opportunity, or its own league? You know, once again, I don't know if it's black and white, right? Like, we we shouldn't, you know, be in a position where we're denying opportunity. 
um, because that's problematic, right? But at the same time, um, by focusing on just, you know, pushing towards the need to wrestle against boys or men, then we're still kind of missing the point, right? We're missing the point that, you know, providing, you know, a space, you know, just the opportunity saying, hey, we want girls to join, join a team, and we can actually grow the sport that way. Um, so some of it's like what comes first, right? The chicken, the chicken or the egg, which, which one comes first? Do we have to provide, you know, just any opportunity, or do we really need to push um, for, you know, same gender competition? I, you know, we've been pushing for a long time in a lot of different states, so, so it's reasonable um, that we're seeing from our perspective as an experienced group of people that we know the important thing is same gender competition. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's not going to come without its controversies or its problems. A couple things to point out about the scenario we're talking about, and the scenario centers around uh, Marina Gucci, who is a Michigan native, wrestles for the club team at Michigan Dearborn, which is an NAIA school. Again, no varsity wrestling there. Uh, men or women. So what my point initially was, okay, well, she's competed in the women's division of the NCWA championships the last two years and won them both. Now, for her to get you know more competition, there are a couple ways to do this. Uh, where there's no wrestling and the NCWA exists, the, the boys and the men there started a student-run organization. Most of these programs within the NCWA are student-run or they, they've got a coach and they're kind of self-funded. Very few of them fall under uh, an athletic-supported team. Some of the small schools like the the branch campuses of Penn State, the Apprentice School, they're varsity programs that aren't NAIA or NCAA, so they go NCWA. Now, with this scenario again, we have a, a female athlete who has, the, has, has, has a women's tournament to compete in, but because there aren't as many clubs, or in this case, very little clubs around that campus, she feels it's uh, an opportunity she needs to wrestle against the men, whereas the NCWA says, no, you're men and women. So that's what we're dealing with. Uh, the letter from the ACLU says, is, is kind of charging the NCWA that they must, they by their own admission, they follow NCAA rules. So the pro, and they're trying to force a situation that says, okay, the NCWA, you have to follow NCAA rules. Well, under NCAA rules, if there's a woman on a men's team, she is eligible to compete against the men. Patricia Miranda at Stanford, even in the NAIA. I think, Julia, you pointed this out. Uh, Michaela Hutchison wrestled. Uh, it suited up. I, I don't know if she took a forfeit or if she actually wrestled the match uh, or two uh, for Oklahoma City University. So there are things there, but neither the NAIA or the NCAA have a separate women's division. So this becomes the crux of the matter. Julia, having experience wrestling the boys from Michigan, coming out of that state, what did you know about the women's college wrestling opportunities and, and what was, where was your vision to say, all right, I want to wrestle in college. What do I do? Where do I go? Um, to me, I was always very aware of what the choices were. Um, three wanting to wrestle. If I wanted to continue to compete post high school, I had to go wrestle with the girls. Um, and I was very aware, you know, like I was mentioning before you go out to Fargo, there's college coaches everywhere. Um, any national tournament, you know, once you start getting recruited, you know, you're going to start talking to all these coaches. These opportunities become pretty readily available to you. Um, I actually put something out on Twitter when this whole thing started this morning. Um, I put a tweet out that said, uh, as a female wrestler, have you ever felt that you are being denied the opportunity to compete collegially against other women? And 
the last time I checked that poll, I think it was at 96% said that no, they had never been denied that opportunity. And you would have to convince me very hard to say that was other 4% just didn't misread my tweet and like click yes on accident. Um, because girls know it, with how fast women's wrestling has been growing over the past five, 10 years, you know, you can compete post collegially against other women. Um, and like for me personally, I knew that even though I competed against guys during high school and trained with them, you know, year round. Um, I knew my future was competing against women and competing against women in freestyle as well. Um, and that's the kind of thing for me is that the NWCA is all clubs. So, or NCWA, same thing, not really the same thing at all, but <laughs> alphabet uh, soup, the NWCA is the national remote, wrestling but, <laughs> coach association. No, this is just for the listeners out there who but, may not know what, what's going on here. So continue. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, to me, I wanted to wrestle freestyle. I, my goal is to be an Olympic champion. I'm still pursuing that goal. And so that was the obvious choice. Um, and, and that's what I did. You know, I, I found a college that I thought was my best fit. And I went there and I wrestled all four years. And it was the best decision I ever made. Um, going to a club program never even crossed my mind. One, it's not, you, you, they have their national tournament, but it's not the national tournament, you know. Um, two, it wasn't freestyle. And if you're not, you don't want to, if you want to be an Olympic champion, you want to be a national champion, you want to compete for a female, you have to be wrestling freestyle. Um, and three, I just want to be part of a team. You know, it's part of what I love about wrestling is the team aspect of it and having a group of girls that I can bond with and have fun with. Um, and, and being on a club team with a bunch of guys that you can't do that, I guess. Um, so, you know, I knew about college opportunities. Part of it was that I was, you know, really heavily recruited coming out of high school. So maybe, I wasn't as ignorant as maybe some people are, but you know, to me, the information is out there and finding opportunities isn't hard. Um, and if you want to find a program and you want to compete, the opportunity is there a hundred percent of the time. Shelby, you left Texas again, which is, as we've talked about is a, a great state for women's wrestling. And a lot of coaches come in there. And what were your options when you were looking to attend school? Uh, ultimately you chose Oklahoma city university, which had won a couple national titles at the time, but what were you looking at and what made it unique to say, all right, these are schools I'm, you know, the normal people probably haven't heard of before, but they're, they're on the forefront of women's wrestling and they're, they're providing these opportunities. Right. And so, uh, Wayland Baptist is located, um, in Texas in Plainview, uh, and they were kind of getting started whenever I was a senior. Um, so I, I saw them at a lot of our high school events, um, and had talked to, you know, coach Meister's, now their head coach um, a couple of times, um, but I had always had my eye on Oklahoma City just because you know, it, in my opinion, you know, if you want to if you want to be the best, then you go to the best place to to go. Um, and at that time, that was OCU, and uh, I, I knew a couple of the girls on the team. I uh, had one visit, and you know, I already knew I was going to go there anyways. I did some camps when I was younger that they you know they had some all girls camps available that you know I went to and. Um, so I don't know. I, I would just say, you know, for me, and I think it's different for every every girl. But for me, it's you know, if, if you're wanting to be the best, just like just like men's, just like any other program, if you want to be the best, you're going to go to the school that that has good training partners, that has good facilities, you know, and that that has good coaches, and that's going to make you better. And um, I would also say, you know, I coached Team Texas for three years, um, and I w- I would also say, you know, we we used to give our girls every single one of the girls a folder with packets of of updates with every single one of the um college teams whether they were newly added or what have you there was an entire list with every single one of the teams with all of the coaches names and how to get into contact with those coaches 
Um, at the time, uh, our head coach for um, Team Texas Women's Wrestling was Monica Allen. And um, she also did a great job of she would talk to the college coaches and say, hey, you know, are there any girls that you're interested in? Uh, and, and ask the girls if there were any schools they were interested in. And it would even fill information out for them. I mean, there are so many opportunities. You look at 37 teams now. Um, and some programs obviously are, are bigger powerhouses than others, but I mean, teams like King and Waylon and, you know, all those teams, Menlo's even get back up there. Um, you look at all of these teams, you know, and they were, they were struggling at first because they were new programs, you know, and now King's won consecutive national titles and, and Waylon is, you know, top three, four, you know, in WCWA and, you know, they're just growing so much. And even, you know, if, if you step on the mat with those girls now, you know, those high school girls wrestle a lot different. You know, they're a lot more competitive because they're going to other tournaments. There's more opportunities for girls um, and, and they're seeking those out. So there, I mean, there are opportunities for all of these, all of these girls know um, if they've been wrestling long enough and, and they're going to, you know, Team Texas, Team, you know, Michigan, you know, what have you, going to Fargo. Um, they are very much aware of the schools that are available to them. And, and, there, and now there's so many opportunities to go that are closer to home. And even now, you know, that there's 37 teams and it's growing, um, you can look at other, other, other parts of the, of the school, you know, other details instead of, oh, well, the only school that's available, you know, is 15 hours away from home. You know, there's so many opportunities to be closer to home, uh, costs, you know, and, and so many things to look at when you're going to school because there are so many more opportunities now. Catherine, dialing this back to you, because when you were competing in, in your first WCWA championships 10 years ago in, in 2007, what was the landscape of that tournament and the organization like? I mean, now we've got, you know, over 35, 36, 37, with more more being added every year. Uh, what was the dynamic of it team-wise? Uh, you know, your choice of Menlo was pretty easy because your dad started the, the, the women's program there. But when you look at the landscape of what it is now versus what it was then, explain what it was like going through those those formative years of the WCWA. Well, I think it, it definitely starts, you know, even before I was in college. Um, and especially since my dad was part of that landscape at the very beginning, um, I got to see you know, it start from, from kind of ground zero. Um, and, you know, a lot of that really was, you know, teams very much spread out and especially Menlo when, by, by the time I was in, um, in college, it was still kind of the same concept of we had to travel, you know, quite far in order to compete with each other. And I think, um, you know, the WCWA worked hard to make sure that we could, we, you know, we took advantage of those, um, opportunities when schools would travel together, you know, you have a tournament and you have a tournament because everyone knew that it's expensive and you have a limited opportunity to, you know, see everybody. But I think that that kind of push was what really helped influence what the WCWA is today, you know, and, and everyone just saw the opportunity of adding women's. I mean, now, I mean, it's unbelievable how many college there are. Um, still not enough in California, but, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing for those next big steps, right, for NCAA. Um, so, you know, from the beginning to now, yeah, it's, it's a huge shift. 
um, and and you know schools are able to not travel as far because there's so many more within each state and within each region, each region. And, and, um, you know, that was a, a big conscious effort and a conscious push. Julia coming out of Michigan, which had had a lot of success. Uh, you were part of that in Fargo at the, uh, the cadet and junior levels. And, uh, uh, just a moment that, uh, we did lose, uh, one of those women's wrestling leaders this week, Brent Harvey, uh, was, was killed in a motorcycle accident. So, uh, thoughts and prayers to, the Michigan wrestling community, his his family, and everybody that he's impacted over the years, and this would be a perfect opportunity to have had Brent on the call because you know he would have had so many opinions about this situation. But Julia, coming out of Michigan with programs that the USGWA was based out of there, uh, you know the late Brent Harvey's had the the War of the Roses. There was so much women's wrestling there. How you know going back to what Shelby said? How did you guys find out about the college wrestling opportunities? Of course, you're a bit of a a wrestling nerd. You're looking up this stuff on the internet anyway. But say say that your, your teammates that are you know they're not in tuned into what you know what what Christy Morano was doing at the time. I mean, how do your wrestling teammates discover these places to go? Um, for me, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, the first girls from I ever wrestled in, in was the USGWA national championships in 2008. And it was just kind of a fluke thing because it happened to be held at a high school about four miles from my house. Um, it was held at uh, Livonia Churchill, which is a high school that's actually closer to my house than my own high school was. So I heard there was a girls tournament and it was, yeah, my coach was like, hey, do you want to go? I'm like, okay, sure. I can go home between matches and take a nap. It's that close. Great. Awesome. Um, so I didn't know if it was a local thing or what, and I showed up, and it's this big national tournament. And that USGWA at the time was huge. Uh, me and Jenna Burkett were pulling up brackets from it a few years ago, and it, it was insane from the girls that were in that tournament. Um, and when I was there that year, Dakar Montgomery was there signing autographs, um, who just came off an Olympic team. Um, and so that, that was kind of my first introduction to high-level women's wrestling, not just high school, but, you know, that was Olympic as opposed to collegiate. but uh, that's when I kind of opened my eyes that I can compete post high school against females if I want. And that, that's for me, like I, I set goals right away. You know, I didn't know where I wanted wrestling college yet. So the landscape of college wrestling changed a lot between my freshman year, and my senior year, and me ultimately deciding to go to King. But that, that was how I was introduced to it. I saw that there were opportunities for me post high school. And after that, you know, kind of like what Shelby was saying earlier, um, when I was out in Fargo in high school, our coach at the time, Dave Reif, would sometimes have college coaches come and talk to us. Uh, we'd have a team meeting, whatever, and he'd go get the coach from Jamestown or uh, Menlo or whoever it was and have him come talk to our team saying, hey, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so university. We'd love to have you, you know, come out for a visit. If you're interested, here's my card. Here's my contact info. And then it was kind of up to you. If you like I was saying before, if you chose to be ignorant to there being, you know, opportunities post high school, then that was on you. Um, and, you know, they said I'm a junkie. You know, I, I was looking to see what Christy Murano and now Davis was doing. I was looking to see what Carissa Chun was doing and all these people. And, you know, I, I, I talk about wrestling constantly. So if you were ever within a 10-foot radius of me at a wrestling tournament, you knew about everything that was happening in the sport of wrestling in college, senior level, whatever. Um, you know, I, and I would just, you know, I, I want to think that I was, like, doing my part without knowing it um, just because I was always talking about, you know, what colleges I was looking at and this and this and some of my Michigan teammates and we wanted to go to college together. So I'd say, Hey, I'm looking at this school. If you want to schedule a visit for them, we can drive down together, split gas or whatever it was. So, you know, the opportunity to me was always there. And I, I because I just talk about wrestling constantly, um, 
I try to kind of point girls in that direction if they were saying they wanted to stay close to home. Um, yeah, at the time, the closest school was Cumberland to Michigan. So we had a lot of girls that went there for a while. It also helped that Elena Baruby was the coach there, who's also a Michigan native. Um, so we had a lot of connections there. But, you know, I think Michigan especially, we just have – we send a lot of girls um, to college, and I think that's still going on today, and it's a pretty common trend for us. And now Adrian has a women's program, so uh, it, right. it's still still new. So there is a varsity wrestling opportunity within the state of Michigan at Adrian as well. Yep. Yeah, Cliff Cashard's over there, really great guy, great coach. Um, and they're starting to pull a lot of in-state talent, which is awesome for our, you know, for Michigan women's wrestling in general. It's, it's huge. And they're also starting to pull in some out-of-state girls now, too. They have a girl from PA there. They actually have a Canadian girl there. Um, so it's cool that we're not just helping our own girls and helping our own Michigan pipeline, but we're bringing women's wrestling collegiately to Michigan from out of state, uh, which is going to help our program at the state level grow immensely. All right. Now, as we get to, I guess, kind of the crux of this entire discussion are the things that were left out or the, the facts that were not presented, uh, the misinformation PR campaign that's going out there. And as I said earlier, <laughs> they sent the letter on October 25th uh, or earlier this week. and the NCWA was supposed to have 10 days to reply. Well, at the same time, instead of giving the NCWA 10 days to reply, here comes the social media push. This the, Again, the vignettes, the stuff that they had been working on for a while. Because when I saw the video of the wrestling team uh, in competition, the first thing that jumped out to me is, that's Michigan-Dearborn. Why are they wrestling in Ann Arbor? Now, after the fact, I have learned that that was an event last year between the club team at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, the club team at Michigan-Dearborn and Grand Valley State University, which also has a, a very successful NCWA team. So this is something they've been working on for uh, you know almost a year at this point. And then to see, co-authored by the ACLU Michigan, the National Women's Law Center, and the Women's Sports Foundation. So, Catherine, I'm going to pitch this over to you for a minute because you've been... Uh, part of this, the grassroots organization working with USA Wrestling, the National Wrestling Coaches Association, uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, about pushing women's wrestling to become an emerging sport and petitioning the NCAA. Have any of these women's groups reached out to wrestle like a girl to offer their their support and their their help for a project like this? You know, um, as of right now, you know, we can only kind of go off of what we um, know and what we've seen. You know, and it's, it's fairly limited right now. Um, so we don't, we definitely don't know anything of the fine details of the lawsuit or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I think the idea is to work positively with any organization who wants to reach out and, and work together. You know, I, I think within the rest of the whole wrestling community, which I think is, is where a lot of, you know, maybe the heat is coming from is everyone feels like um, we've made such positive pushes in, in the right direction for increasing opportunities for women's wrestling that everyone feels a little bit like, hey, like, what happened here? We have been pushing for these opportunities. For, you know, just through Wrestling Like a Girl, you know, we believe that regardless of gender, you shouldn't be denied the opportunity, you know, and that's, you know, as far as the statement can be made right now. So, you know, everything else has to be kind of my own personal opinion until, you know, we've been able to meet with and speak with all these different kind of components that are that are coming together. So, Shelby, what were your reactions when when you when you saw the the video and some of the things are being said on social media? 
I would say that I felt similar to Catherine and I, as well as many uh, females follows, you know, dressed like a girl and, and we see everything that Catherine and Sally Roberts and, and, and all of those women are doing from their, their gala that they have, you know, raising all this money and, and bringing in, you know, both young and senior level girls um, to kind of get to see, you know, and, and, and show people who these women are. Uh, I would say it was, it was just disappointing. And it was a couple of steps back, I felt, uh, because we've made so many strides, you know, we've got D1 coaches sitting here. It almost seems getting on board about women's wrestling, seeing that, that there is an opportunity to grow the sport and, um, and to grow, you know, even their university as well. Um, and I would say, I mean, there's even, you, you look at those opportunities as well. Our teams are huge right now. And there are girls that are even going to, and choosing to do that. They're going to D1 programs and they're maybe not competing, you know, for the college, but, you know, they're getting, they're getting that coaching and, and they're working out with, with people there. Um, so I would say, you know, it was just disappointing because I, I do feel like women's wrestling you know, has made such a big push. We've got so many teams in WCWA. We got, you know, those RTC programs. We, you know, we had our first, we had our first Olympic camp this year. I mean, I, I just can't see how women's wrestling hasn't, to this point, done everything we possibly could um, to rally for these girls and to, and to rally for college wrestling and then to give opportunities to women. Yes, we do have you know, we have a little bit more to go. And, but it's just like with anything else, you've got to progress towards that. What do you think about the the, the question about uh, should uh, Miss Gucci, for example, be uh, allowed to compete against the men when there's there's a women's organization? Do you feel like if she wanted to compete against, uh, you know, she wanted to compete in college, she should have chosen a college that has women's wrestling? Because I think we've we've beaten the point to death that, there's a lot of information out there about those opportunities, and I understand that she was even approached by a number of of colleges to to consider going there. Uh, when, when you say somebody's fighting for the chance to wrestle in college, they chose a school that didn't have a wrestling team, men or women's, and they had to go the club route. I'm just so it's just so disappointing and frustrating. Um, like I said, and I I feel like you know if you want to wrestle them in, by all means, and um, I personally would not do that myself. I've wrestled with Ryan Milhoff. Um, and my my fiance wrestled at OU as well, and I would just say um, them going fifty percent um, was just about good enough. Um, I never had a desire, just like Julia was saying. I never once it thought thought in my head, yeah, I'm going to wrestle the boys in college. You know, there's an opportunity to do that. I never once, and I have never heard from one female wrestler I've been wrestling for fifteen years, and I have never once in my life met a female wrestler was like, yeah, I'm going to go wrestle the boys. Other than like you were talking about Patricia Miranda, but there wasn't there was an opportunity at that point um, for very many girls to to go somewhere for college. Um, and and you know by any means, if you want to be like Patricia Miranda and and go to a school like Stanford and practice with the boys all day every day, I mean you can go for it. Um, it's not something that I think uh, would be a good idea. I don't I don't think that you know unless you are Patricia Miranda, which I mean. I grew up, you know, reading about her and, and seeing her everywhere. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of women like that um, that that are willing to go to that level and, and be able to make it through to something like that. I just, I see all of these opportunities and, and the fact that we're taking a step back by complaining about not being able to compete against against men. Um, it just seems like it, it, it would be pointless 
you look at soccer, you look at softball, all, all of these, these sports that have men's and women's programs, you don't see soccer players asking, like, can I go play against the men's team? Or can I, I, I need, you know, equal rights, I need to be on, on the men's program here. Um, and so, I mean, yes, we're pushing for a lot of things, but if she if she wants soccer to do that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to say that she's being discriminated against because there's all of these programs available to her. And I, I want to bring this up, and this is also a point I believe the NCWA will make is if you want mat time, well, there's uh, a a never ending list of college open tournaments. Okay, well, there's an ending list, but there's a list of college open tournaments that. Uh, NCAA, as as the ACLU points out in their letter, the, you're allowed to compete in the NCAA if you're a program, and these open tournaments are open. So, for all intents and purposes, you could enter the Michigan State Open. You could, Julie, if you want to go up and enter the Eastern Michigan Open, so you go home for a weekend, you want to enter the Eastern Michigan Open, you're you're fine to do that. Uh, you can enter the, the there's the Ben McMullen Open. I think that's a junior college level event. So there's a, a list of there. I think there are 250 college wrestling tournaments. Uh, 260 at least the last count. Most of them are open, and a lot of them are in wrestling country, the flyover states, as they like to say. So opportunities to compete are there. It's just, is it opportunities to compete? Because the the UM Dearborn men can go to these tournaments too. It's just the NCWA event, so that stuff is also being uh, not discussed. Now, Julia, in your situation, for example, say you, what, what would you do if you wanted to wrestle against the men and you're in Michigan? Would you, would you go Eastern Michigan Open, Michigan State Open, that type of things, or would you seek out maybe tournaments across the border in London, Ontario, in Canada, where there is women's college wrestling? I'd go wrestle with the girls. Uh, um, to me, it's not even really a question. Um, you know, I, I competed with guys in high school, and it was fun, and it was a challenge, and I enjoyed it. But to me, it's senseless to want to compete against guys in high. At, past that level um on top of the anatomical differences it's just a different world you know people don't compare women's basketball and men's basketball they're just they're fundamentally different you know it's almost a different well, they do but as you make a point they are fundamentally different right yeah um and then again it gets, goes back into the folk style and freestyle thing i'm not trying to be the best folk style against guys wrestling in the world i'm trying to win the olympics in women's freestyle you know it, they're, they're just different um you know, Shelby was kind of saying, like, I was doing a simulation tournament last weekend when I was training for Schultz, and I wrestled our men's assistant coach. And he was a 133-pounder, Division two wrestler for Coker, and he beat me 16-0 to in a six-minute match. And he was probably going 50%, you know, so like, just like Shelby was saying. Um, you know, I'm going to wrestle at Schultz next weekend and try to win that tournament. And I just got beat by this guy who was a Division two wrestler. Granted, a pretty good one, but, you know, he wasn't even trying. He was 16-0. to It's it, why am I going to do that? Why, that's not fun for me. It's not fun, and there's no point. You know, it, that, that doesn't affect how I'm going to compete against other women and the goals that I'm trying to accomplish. So, you know, being from Michigan, like you said, you can go to Western Ontario. It's 45 minutes across the border, and you're there. Um, Marina's from, you know, girl in question is from Riverview. Uh, again, 45 minutes. You can go compete against girls, compete in freestyle. Um, if you want to go wrestle at the Eastern Michigan Open, more power to you. Maybe it's fun for you. I don't know, but that that's not for me um it, it doesn't it line up with my goals and what i'm trying to accomplish and i, I don't really see a point and i i could go into way more in depth in this but i said i wouldn't go on a ten, uh, on a tangent so i'm gonna try to stick to that and end it there and if, if if you were listening to this and you're saying well you're you're only giving the wrestling perspective yes this is a wrestling show and one i'm also been an advocate for women's wrestling for uh, for a number of years i think all three of you know that uh you know i even put out the only 
college wrestling school board in standings for women's wrestling and digging through that. I'm hunting and pecking. I'm I'm calling up SIDs from these some of these smaller schools that are just getting started. So I care not because I'm paid to care because I'm not being paid for this. I care because I care. And seeing moments like Helen Maroulis win the Olympic gold medal in Rio in 2016, uh, you know, I had tears streaming down my face when that happens because we got to see what wrestling can do for you know for so many years. It was a men's only sport. I got to see the, the I guess the 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 bearing of fruit. The, the program at USA Wrestling in this country is provided. So those opportunities can be had. All three of you know that. So as we, we get to, I guess, some of the absurd things that have been said or left out, and with the calculated way that this was put out on social media, don't read the comments is kind of the adage, but uh, Julia, some of, the, some of the wild things that you've had to respond to uh, just with uh, the uneducated masses that you really want to educate. You know, it's hard to not fly off the handle, but how have you tried to, like, Maintain your commitment. Look, this is how it's done. It's hard because, you know, it's, it's not, it's pretty common knowledge that I enjoy Twitter fights. I mean, I can't even hide that. Oh, yeah. But it, it comes from a place of passion. You know what I mean? It's not me just trying to start shit because I feel like starting shit. I just, I, I want people to like love wrestling the way I love wrestling. Um, and to see people that, especially like this is like a, I don't know, to way to say it. People that don't wrestle commenting on this is so ridiculous to me. How are you going to be able to have an opinion on something when you have no idea what the dynamics and all the semantics are of the sport of wrestling? Um, And, you know, it's an ignorant opinion, and it's not their fault. You know, maybe if they were to watch that video and see, you know, the content of it, I can understand where they're coming from. So I was trying to talk to some of these people saying, you know, one, I, I know the situation. And two, as someone who's been involved with WWA, either as a coach or an athlete for the past seven years, you have to understand where I'm coming from. Um, the way that video was presented was almost insulting to WWA and, and to all the member school athletic administrations as well. You know, I can speak for our administration at King. You know, they are huge advocates for women's wrestling. From the time Coach Mormon proposed having a women's wrestling team to them, they've been 100% on board. Um, they support us to their fullest ability, and I think that can be said for a lot of the administrations at these various schools as well. So to say that, you know, women's wrestling, I forget what the exact term they use, we're, we're taking to the mat with the NWCA or whatever it was, um, it's silly. You know, there's so many people and so many organizations that are pushing for women's wrestling, and instead we're regressing back to this point where we're like, oh, we did all this work, we want to compete against guys now, just kidding. It, it's silly. Um, and that's what I was dealing with on Twitter today, is trying to educate people on what the landscape of collegiate women's wrestling really looks like and what we're really dealing with and how much progress we've made over the years. Um, going, competing against men is regression. You know, why, why are we going to go back to that when we're doing all of this work? Um, and Catherine can probably elaborate more on this, but, you know, we're, we're trying to push this not just at the collegiate level, but at the high school level as well. Why are we going to push high school girls to compete against other girls and sanction high school women's wrestling just for them to go up to college and say, okay, what are you going to compete against guys again? It, it's, I don't know. It, it's honestly mind blowing that this even happened. I don't know, but <laughs> you know, I, I'll just keep plugging away on Twitter and hoping that I can, if I even educate five, 10 people based on a Twitter rant today, I've done my job. Um, and hopefully that, you know, get them to pay attention to women's wrestling more, make them aware that not only is women's wrestling available, but it's also a thing and it's thriving and it's succeeding. Um, so maybe something good will come out of this. That's, that's best case scenario. And that's what I hope for. Again, I don't want to come off like I'm, uh, I use, I've used this term mansplaining. I don't want to do that, but where I get annoyed and I have been 
Uh, there's been no secret that I have gone after certain people within the Women's Sports Foundation over the last 20 years. Uh, I've been blocked on Twitter by by a couple of them. Now, that being said, to see that type of advocacy group try to come out and be a champion for women's wrestling where they've been nowhere to be found forever, that's what drives me nuts. Because, okay, where were you with this emerging sports status thing? And that's me talking. That's not anybody else. That's my opinion here. So uh, the National Women's Law Center, which was one of these groups that were filing the lawsuits uh, in the 90s when when proportionality was the safe harbor and, and we saw men's programs uh, being zapped and for budget reasons and Title IX usually used as as an you know in some cases a scapegoat some cases it was it was clearly numbers versus being oh I don't know in in you know ingenious in coming up with new ways to to create opportunities like women's wrestling for example uh, I, I just I get a little annoyed when you know there are women's groups out there fighting against what the women who are actually doing it and three of you are on this call are actually fighting for so that's where I get a little annoyed and I wanted to do this the show to explain it but. Dialing back more to center because Catherine is much more um, professionally eloquent in certain situations with with the nonprofit. Catherine, what are some things that you feel the general public should know about women's wrestling that they may have seen this story for the first time? And and you, if you had a moment to educate them, what would you say? Um, that's a that's a great question um you know i think i think we're constantly looking for new ways to educate the public on uh what's available available for women's wrestling and what you know what our agenda is right you know i think um julia has a great point where let's hope that we you know we want to for positivity out of this no matter what you know um i think i think the biggest thing for the general public to know is that there are organizations and women and and that the wrestling community you know as a whole is pushing towards so much positive growth and and that's why we are where we are and i think that's you know where it was a little bit misleading that you know it, it feels like okay the wrestling community is completely ignoring this athlete and kind of being left behind um and and you know a lot of the reality is that the whole wrestling community has really pushed to be on board together um, and that we don't want to, we don't want to make any more divides um, and, and that women's wrestling has come a long way where, where we, you know, in the past have felt very ignored and had to push. And now we're in such a positive place that we want to stay there and we don't want, you know, kind of the lay person to think that, that, you know, we're, you know, in kind of pieces or that there's, you know, one group against another group. That's I think that that's really important for people to know. And also, it's important to know that if those of you listening to this to try to get the the other side of the coin, so to speak, which is kind of the uh, reason we did this particular episode. Uh, you know, we might have some a lot of first time listeners. If, if you made it this far and, and you're listening, hey, at least you're you're listening to the other side of the argument. But there will be a Division One school within the next couple weeks. Uh, I've, I've tweeted about it and leaked it out on Twitter, but there will be a division one school in the Southeast adding men's and women's wrestling. And it would be the first division one women's team uh, to have women's wrestling. And it would be the first division one ad from scratch on the men's side since 2003. So that news is forthcoming. And that's an exciting thing that is in part done by work with the National Wrestling Coaches Association. And guess what, though? Guess what? That first men's team is going to be able to compete in that first year 
they're going to go with the NCWA because they also provide a buffer for men's and women's teams before they go into full competition. So it all ties together. Wrestle Like a Girl had an opportunity to really push this. Uh, once this NCAA status kicks in, hopefully it, it's going to be uh, sooner than later. We're going to see this erupt. So this isn't a case of the men saying, no, you can't do this, or some old old fuddy-duddy in Texas. Guess what? That old fuddy-duddy in Texas that they're suing is a big reason why there are a entire league of Texas wrestlers. So it's funny. They went to the well once when they, they sued Jim for keeping men's and women's wrestling separate in Texas. And look what happened. Texas women's wrestling exploded. Oh, boy. You know, uh, writing's on the wall there. We're going to wrap it up uh, here in a bit. But, Shelby, I want to uh, get your take on what are some of the things that you, as, as a recent athlete, and uh, had the opportunity to grow with as, as, as a wrestler and as an individual, being part of a, a full women's team that also had a complementary men's team alongside of it? Um, I, I would say, for one, um, it it was huge to be on an all-women's team. Um, growing up, I wrestled boys, and I didn't really, for a while, I, I didn't really even know that other girls wrestled. Um, and then even going into high school, um, granted, Texas, you know, is growing and, and everything like that, but there were a lot of girls that were starting in high school and that weren't on the same page with me. Um, and so, I mean, it was one of the coolest things, getting to be on a team with a group of women who are all coming from the best in their state um, and who were on the same page, you know, mentally with me with the sport, who loved the sport like I did um, and who wanted to be there. Um, having a men's team as well, um, I don't I don't necessarily know that um, it was beneficial for the women just because they separate it so much. Um, men's have their own practices that they, that they hold at a completely different time than the women's. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, I would say that we support each other uh, pretty well you know you have not very many people come out to watch uh, NAIA wrestling as far as OCU is concerned uh, it's been really difficult getting you know people to come out and support uh, as also most of the parents you know that would that would normally be there for you know for a duel or for a tournament and uh, their kids are from super far away uh, and so we don't we don't typically I know at OCU have too many supporters just because it's wrestling and as the wrestling community knows, it's really difficult sometimes to get, um, and, and this is what we've been struggling with, you know, as a wrestling community, to get people more interested in the sport. Um, and so I would say, you know, just having the support from um, the other teams, whether they were forced or, you know, wanted to be there, um, but being able to have them there supporting us and rooting for us and then, you know, vice versa um, was huge. And then, you know, occasionally we'll go and do, I know every year uh, OCU does um, a charity run, um, a 5K for the Oklahoma City Fire Department, and they do them with the men's and women's team together. Um, and, and just showing a face out in the community um, and together and, and being there for one another is what I would say. You know, and, and if both get invited to um, NWCA, you know, national duels, then we, we ride it, you know, together to that tournament as well. But Normally, you know, it's it's for the most part separated. All right, Julie, you've been on this program more times than anybody. Uh, I think, yeah, you you and Richard Immel are, are running a close uh, one two. Chael Sonnen's yeah. now a third. So I for me, I'm doing well. Yeah, doing very well. And now, when we we talk about the opportunities, and actually, I was I was texting a couple. Uh, former women's wrestlers about this topic today. And one of them, which was uh, Melissa Simmons, who's the director of operations 
at North Carolina State. She's the one that put me in touch with Shelby for this because uh, she felt like sleeping tonight. No, uh, just kidding, Melissa. But she actually, she's from Washington. And the opportunity, she wanted to wrestle in college. And one of the things that she said was, do you really think I wanted to go to go to college in Oklahoma? No, but I wanted to wrestle. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's you pick, you know, Julie, you're from, you're from Michigan. Did you think Bristol, Tennessee was the place you initially would, would want to go to college? Oh, wait, they got wrestling? Well, you make those sacrifices. You don't go to a school without engineering and complain about them not having engineering. I think that was one, one thing I saw on Twitter today. So, Julie, I'm going to give you the last <laughs> word on, on this, and uh, we can wrap up. But, uh, one, I appreciate everybody for, for taking the time out to talk about this, uh, this, this issue that will blow up because it's uh, all over the media now, and it's only going to probably get worse for uh, the wrestling cause. But, Julia, the floor is yours. Uh, first of all, if you would have told me I'd spend my Thursday night talking about a CLU's like Twitter argument, I would have told you you were crazy. This is the one thing I'd never thought I'd have to talk about on a wrestling podcast. You'd rather talk about women's soccer, the U.S. women's national team, and, and wrestling. Yes, 100%. Yeah, my two favorite things in the world. Um, but, again, like it's something I'm passionate about. Um, Twitter and wrestling. So, you know, my second <laughs> <laughs> so, With Snapchat coming in a close third. But so this whole thing is just, it's, it's bizarre to me. Um, like Catherine kind of said, and like I kind of mentioned before, you know, women's wrestling is making so much growth and this is just going to set us back in the public eye. Um, and not just women's wrestling, wrestling in general, you know, it, it's a black eye in the sport. It's not a, it's not really a black eye. It's perceived, you know, it, it's perception now. Um, I saw someone put on Twitter today that they basically chose to cherry pick facts and use that to create their argument. And it's kind of spot on, you know, it, it's this, you know, the, the narrative they created is not accurate. And I hope that, you know, through this podcast or through Twitter, whoever it may be, we can educate people, not just on women's wrestling and our growth, but on the state of wrestling in general in the United States. Um, you brought up Helen winning a gold medal last year and the media attention she received. And that was awesome. Um, you know, you're talking about how you were crying in the stands. One of my favorite moments from all of Rio. I wasn't crying was in the stands. Uh, I was crying at the announcer's table. I was announcing no, the tournament I, I, I trying to keep my composure. <laughs> no, I, I was sitting in the stands crying, and I remember it was it was me, Jesse Thoki, and Haley Aguilar sitting up there, just like sobbing our eyes out during the national anthem. And Jesse Thoki's crying, and he goes, "Man, I swore I'd never let another girl make me cry ever again." Um, <laughs> it's a pretty good moment, but uh, you know, women's wrestling is getting all this positive media. Um, whether it was Helen winning, whether it's um, you know, whatever it may be, and now we have the ACLU issue, and now it's kind of we have to defend ourselves from that. And we don't have to deal with that rather than continue to make progress. So, like I said, best case scenario is that every single person in the world listens to this podcast and they get educated and women's wrestling looks awesome as a result of it. Um, so, you know, I think there's a way we can attack this and there's a way we can handle it. And it's, it's through positivity. It's through this podcast and us coming, you know, me, Shelby, and Catherine sharing our experience as female wrestlers. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is the first time where 99% of wrestling Twitter has been on board for something. And I think that's cool to see us coming together to defend our sport, um, both men and women. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it needs to be handled the right way. But, you know, it's, it is what it is right now. And we'll see what happens in the coming days, I guess. I'd actually almost have to say that 99% of, you know, the wrestling community uh, are, are in agreement with, with where you guys stand. I think that there, this this individual situation at, at UM Dearborn is is less than one percent of the women's wrestlers in my opinion but um because you know you ask any of your teammates 
uh, and any of your your colleagues. I'm good. Your I think your your opinions are going to be echoed throughout. Uh, that being said, if you want to get in touch with Julia, she is definitely again prolific on Twitter. Send her a DM at Jay Salata. She will talk to you and educate you if you want to. You want to do it not in a public form. You want to do it with a message. She's more than willing to probably explain things there. If you're interested in what Catherine and Sally are doing at Russell Like a Girl, WrestleLikeAGirl.org. Shelby, you don't work or coach for anybody that's a hundred percent full time in wrestling, but uh, she's doing the good work to protect our kids. So, uh, Shelby, thank you for your time. Catherine, thank you for your time. Julia, uh, I'll probably end up texting you after this is over anyway. Thank you for your time. Uh, this is just something that we're going to try to stay on top on. And hopefully if you're listening out there and you were not initially on our side and you've, you've heard this and maybe it's changed your mind, you know, tell people that, you know, these, these, these appearances in this social media PR push, this ploy, this fundraising push isn't genuine. These three women here on this show, these are their voices. This is the voice of the women's athlete that, that has put the time in and has gone and searched for those Olympic aspirations and those national college aspirations. So that being said, ladies, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we do some good here. Thank you so much. The short time wrestling podcast is proudly outfitted by compound clothing, shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. First time listening? Well, you can change that by going to matttalkonline.com slash get short time to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen on your favorite podcatcher at matttalkonline.com slash listen. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.